0: Thank you for joining us here at C3 Edinburgh. We are all about authentic community, unlocked creativity and the naturally supernatural life in Jesus name. We are praying that this message will bless you and meet you right where you're at today. For more information about C3 Edinburgh, check us out online at www.c3edinburgh.com. Parenthood is a wonderful thing, and it's a weighty thing. It's uh, incredible. Raising children in the family unit is the core nucleus to every human society and civilization. It's the it's the cell. If humanity was an, is an organism, you know there's 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 trillions of cells in this organism, and if humanity was an organism, if society was a body, then the family unit is the cell. That's why preaching about family is important. And I know not everybody here has children yet, and I know that everything is complicated, but we must preach about it because it's so important. If the cells are well, the organism is well. If the cells are sick, then the organism is sick. That's why preaching on family is important. Let me tell you, that in many ways, in many times, in many ways, our human organism called humanity is sick. I can't give you all the evidence right now, but you can turn on BBC, you can turn on NBC, you can turn on CNN, you can open whatever device you want and any news cycle that you want and you'll see a sick world. And people blame the government, this government's useless. People blame, uh, what else do they blame? They blame, they blame the government, they, gave, they, they blame capitalism and finances. They, they blame all kinds of things. Ultimately, often people blame God. But often an unwell society is unwell at its core because the human soul is unwell as an individual. That's why we need a saviour. And often the, the, the family unit is unwell and generations become unwell and, and so things get unwell. That's why we need to preach about church, uh, preach about families in the house of God because that's not God's way, is it? I, have a, a, I actually have a bunch of um, news clippings right here about the state of the world and how it relates to family. Oh, oh, I, I don't have much time because clearly we just had a wonderful time with what we just did. So I don't have time. But look, here's, here's one from the Telegraph in 2010. Seven out of ten offenders in the UK come from broken homes, he said. Added, single-parent families are more than twice as likely to live in poverty for all kinds of reasons. All of this, there's, there's all of these stats. But the, I need to tell you and we need to know that the Lord is interested in healthy people and healthy families. And the church should be a hub of health, holistically. It is. It should be a hub of healthy families. It should be a training hub about how to do parenting well, how to do marriage well, and how to grow up well, and have people around you to be with you as you go through the, the ups and downs of all of the things. It should be a coaching space. It should be a prayer ministry, because prayer is powerful, a place of transformation, and when we do go into that space of vision, I see a church, and you've heard me say, I see a church that, that statistically sees the gospel play itself out in, in measurable ways, hello scientists. Like, I, I imagine the gospel that you can, you can measure that's impact because you see uh, the transformation of lives lived out in statistically measurable things like, like marriage... Um, going the distance and and families being restored and addiction rates dropping and and all of these things. And this is what's going to happen. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of Jesus is about a brand new day for everybody, a brand new day for every family. Jesus brings a brand new day. He brings redemption for the lost. He brings reclamation of the promise And so whilst I spoke at the very beginning, just briefly about Moses' complicated childhood, and you can read about it at the beginning of Exodus, and his complicated... That was his childhood. His complicated parenthood, and you can try and read about him and his two boys, but it's difficult because they're somehow far from him um, into his his adulthood. God is a God of new days, and he's God of good new beginnings, and what we're going to crack through is as much time as I have with you for the rest of our time, with how God transformed Moses in this area of parenthood. He was both found himself in his later days being truly parented and a true parent to someone else. Let's talk about Moses and Jethro. Exodus 2 is where we're going to go through for a little bit and then Exodus 18. So it's going to go on the screen, but you might want to turn with me, but it's Exodus 2:20 20 to 21. Let's, let's capture the first time we see Moses and Jethro uh, kind of meet. I want to give you a snapshot of this guy, Jethro, who becomes a father to Moses. I preached about it when I was preaching about relationships, actually, a few weeks back. He says um, the, the, uh, his daughters come back after an adventure where Moses helps. They just encounter this guy called Moses on the run from his life. Um, he saves them. They run back to Jethro, their dad, and they tell him about this Egyptian who came to help. Then Jethro says... Where is he? The father asked. Why did you leave him there? Invite him to come and eat with us. Moses accepted the invitation and he settled there with them. And in time, Raoul, which is Jethro's other name, gave Moses his daughter Zipporah to be his wife. So we don't often stay here. We don't often have time to think about it. We have so much Bible to read and so much life to live. But just picture this as one of the Entry into, we talk about this time when Moses is in exile from his calling or something. He spends 40 years in this place. But can I paint it for you another way, that it's actually probably one of the most stable times of his life also. Because he finds himself in a place, in a foreign land, but under for the first time perhaps this stable relational structure, not torn between things. This might be the first season of uncomplicated stability in his life. And from the first moment of meeting Moses, Jethro becomes as a father to him. He invites him in. Come on, bring in. Come and eat with us. He accepts him. He works with him. He teaches him a new job because he becomes a shepherd out of this. A new career. He shares. He trusts. He trusts him even to let him marry his daughter and dads with daughters. That's a big deal. I don't, can't think of a man alive yet. Yet, I'm sure there's somebody, but right now, no one can be trusted with my daughters, but that's an issue that I've got. But it's not all love and cuddles and, oh, look, Jethro and Moses, it's like this beautiful moment. In Exodus 18, verse 6 to 10, it says, this is later on, this is now the Israelites are out of Egypt and they're just left and they've had some battles won and, and now... Um, uh, it's probably, it's 40 years later, it's beyond that and Moses is an older guy and Jethro is older still and, and, um, and, and he's brought his now grown-up kids, grandkids along to meet. And Jethro sent a message to Moses. He said, I, Jethro, your father-in-law, am coming to see you with your wife and two sons. So Moses went out and met his father-in-law and bowed low and kissed him. So we get another insight into a relationship that is not one that's aloof and far for the first time, but it's one of respect. It's one of... Honour, it's one of love. So Moses went out, uh Balot and kissed him. They asked about each other's welfare and they went into Moses' tent. And Moses told his father, in law everything his, the Lord had done to Pharaoh and Egypt on behalf of Israel. And he told about all the hardships they had experienced along the way and how the Lord had rescued his people and all of their troubles. And Jethro was delighted when he heard about the good things that the Lord had done for Israel and rescued them from the hand of the Egyptians. Praise the Lord, Jethro said, for he has rescued you from the Egyptians and from Pharaoh. Yes, he has rescued Israel from the powerful hand of God. Um, and it goes on. Then I'm going to pick it up in verse 14. My point for this me- that section is, what a great... Father, what a great adopted father, what a great father-in-law when a parent acknowledges the wins of the child and celebrates with them. But later on, on that same meeting, that same visit, that same holiday together, when Moses' father-in-law saw that Moses, this is verse 14, was doing what what he was doing for all the people, he asked, because he's meeting with lots of people, organising lots of things, um, having lots of meetings, really run raw, really tired, Moses' father in law Jethro says, What are you really accomplishing here? Why are you trying to do this all alone while everyone stands around you from morning till evening? And Moses said, It's because the people come to me to get a ruling from God. And when a dispute arises, they come to me, and I'm the one who settles the case between the quarreling parties. And I inform the people of God's decrees and give them his instructions. Jethro, not impressed. This is not good. Moses' father-in-law exclaimed, you're going to wear yourself out and the people too. This job is too heavy a burden for you to handle all by yourself. Now listen to me and let me give you a word of advice and may God be with you. You should continue to be the people's representative before God, bringing his peace, and he, and he unpacks some instructions. And so here again we get this beautiful picture of this grown, stable relationship with this father figure who not only... Uh, there's respect and love and affection. Not only is there uh, celebration at wins, but there's this, this leader who's just done this thing to the most powerful wor- world leader of its time. Uh, he's riding on, he's got a, a million people that, or more that he's, that he's leading, but his dad, his dad talks to him like a son. What you're doing is it's crazy, don't do that. I'm sure nobody would talk to Moses like that at that time, but he would, it's his dad. And sometimes you need a bit of correction. Jesus celebrated with him. Uh, Jethro celebrated with him. Called him out and corrected him. Advised him. Jethro was a, the priest of an entire region, but he made time to be a grandfather. He made time to take trips. He made time to invest in his son-in-law. Parents, your role is to invest in your children. My role is to invest in mine, blood or otherwise. Show them stable. Show them love. Show them stable time. Notice and celebrate their wins, but don't neglect in being that voice, and often the only voice that your kids will have to challenge and to correct. What we see is the transform- transforming power... Okay. What we see is a transforming power of what can happen in relationship, in a godly relationship, because he goes from a broken, complicated childhood to a complicated parenthood, and then through his relationship with Jethro, something gets restored, not only in his own life, but there's a picture that you then see in the way that he fathers another generation, and that guy's name is Joshua, because the way he brings Joshua in and shows him stability and shows him advice and shows him encouragement is more akin... To the Jethro style than that Mos- Moses is a first rung at trying to do parenthood. I had and I have some really good teaching. And then last night, as I'm um, going to bed with this really good teaching ready to go. Something else happened in me and I've got a whole alternative thing. It's not even on my notes because I had to write it in notes here. And I said this morning, I said, God, what am I going to do? And he said, uh, he didn't say anything really. <laughs> Sometimes that's just a smile. Ha uh-huh. ha. I was thinking about Moses and Joshua, and I know the time, so I'm going to need somebody to come and play piano behind me again, Um, help remind me to bring it to a close. Moses and Joshua, I was reminded last night as I was about to go to sleep. Moses wasn't Joshua's dad; he was like his dad, but he wasn't his dad. This is going to get a bit raw. And towards the end of their, his relationship, they weren't even... They weren't like father and son age. It wasn't like a 10-year-old and a 30-year-old or 40-year-old. It was like, you know, advanced age gentlemen. Uh, with, and yet there was still a relational father-son type relationship. There's a kind of parenting. And I'm talking to parents. I'm talking to mums on Mother's Day. I'm talking to dads, well, I guess, on Mother's Day. I'm talking to parents who have kids. And I'm talking to pa- individuals who will have kids. And I'm talking to people who who have roles in people's lives that are like parents. This kind of parenting is broader than child raising. It's, it's, it's parenting, spiritual parenting is like coaching, but it's deeper. It's like, it's less corporate. It's more relational. It's like family. It's lasting. Paul in the New Testament He didn't have children. He didn't get married. He didn't have children. But he called Timothy, my spiritual son in the faith. There's a type of relationship that is deep. It's not blood, but it's deep. Not many people in the world speak about such things. And I still feel young. (laughs) Uh, And so I usually frame my own world as an older brother type. But as I get closer to being a real grown-up I am probably becoming more like a father to people I had this but that's not about age actually I, I'm re- reminded that as a 23 year old about to move over to the UK i lived here for a year way back in my 20s to do some nursing because that's my job and um as I left I I was leading a youth ministry and one young guy who was only 13 at the time left a message on the card and most people 13 say yay nathan have a good time in the uk whatever this guy said since my dad left you've been like a father to me that's 20 years ago i don't know how long i still remember that that got in as I think about my calling as a parent to my three precious children and I think about my calling as a figure, a parental figure, a father figure, a big brother figure, that figure to others in my past or even now in the house of God, I find myself hitting on something truly sacred. And so I want to finish this service with a statement of purpose because it's my purpose, but I think it's, our purpose as parents and future parents in what we do with the generation who look up to us for stability, for acceptance, for correction, for encouragement, for celebration. Here, parents is our role. We provide stability, love, example, encouragement, as well as correction. But most of all, we provide access. And it's from that platform that my children, spiritual or or biological, can grow. My purpose is to see them grow. And this is where to grow, to this eternal end. This is what kept me up last night. This is what kept me up last night. It's not even in the notes up the back, because you won't have to put it on the screen, because it's it's middle of the night stuff. A farmer went out to plant his seed, and as he scattered it across the field, some of the seed fell on a footpath where it was stepped on, and the birds ate it. Other seed fell among the rocks, and it began to grow. But the plants soon wilted and died for lack of moisture. And other seed fell among the thorns, and it grew up, and it choked the tender plants. And still other seed fell on fertile soil. The seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much as it had been planted. He has ears, let him hear. How do I know if I've done a good job at the end of my days as a parent? It's that none of my children stop, melted by the heat from with the Word of God in their lives because of the, the pressure of people telling them not to follow Jesus. I've done something if I've provided a stable environment for that kind of culture that they can stand up to people saying don't follow him and they'll say I'll follow him, thank you. But that's not the one I'm worried about. My kids are pretty strong-willed. The one I'm worried about for my, for is that the thorns and the stuff of life the more interesting-esque relationships at the, or, the, or, the, or the, the lure of cash and money and fame and that my children wouldn't be choked the fruitfulness out of their life in Christ because they followed those things as their number one. if I can help in all of the stuff that I do as a parent to create the atmosphere, to help it, it create the atmosphere that my three children and the other children that I'm talking about that aren't blood connections would grow and be harvest makers and see That is, that's the kind of parent I want to be. Church, that's the kind of parents we need to be. In a world that's um, sick, we need strong cells. In a world that's sick, we need a body of believers that are strong in this. Disciple makers. I don't, I'm not translating it like church. I'm saying church. It's not Let's commit ourselves to be the parents that created generations of people who are harvest makers and accept nothing less, because nothing less will do.